the new Black Society podcast with Nate Wilson, providing key insights to the most important stories affecting the Black community. Here's your host, Nate Wilson. Welcome to the new Black Society podcast, episode number six. I'm Nate Wilson, your host today. I have a special, 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 special guest. Uh, look, I'm, I'm, I have to be a blessed man if I can get an award-winning social equity entrepreneur business coach on the line. Uh, he's a Cleveland native, a Morehouse grad, a serial entrepreneur, one of the co-founders of Bro Capital, which is a cooperatively owned platform for black millennials to pool their capital and invest collectively. It's been so successful, he's been named in Inc. Magazine's 30 Founders Under 30 feature. My guest, my buddy, Ross Hassan. Ross, how are you today? Man, I'm doing well, bro. I appreciate that intro, man. You uh, <laughs> you really put the sauce on it, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, man, you gotta put some spice on it. You know what I mean? Man, word. And speaking of spice, you just, I was just reading your blog post and um, you mentioned something about the spice being uh, the consistency, the spice of life being consistency. Mm. Uh, consistent flows spice things up. Where did you come up with that? Man, um, really just understanding or just coming into the understanding that everything is the same thing, right? But it's kind of like, you know, so that's how analogies work, right? Because the underlying principles are able to be transferred over. And so understanding, I'm, you know, I, I like to go to the gym, right? And so one of the mm -hmm. things that you quickly learn in the gym is, is that it's all about repetition. You know what I mean? Like you got to do that same movement in a, in a certain way over and over and over again. And those, that's when you get the results that you're looking for, right? You right. know, Bruce Lee has that quote about the, it's not about the man who practiced 10,000 kicks. It's about that yeah. one kick 10,000 times. Right. So, you know, when you really want to spice things up, it's like, man, be consistent. You know what I'm saying? Um, in, in terms of a business type of situation, it's like, man, increase the traffic, you know, talk to more people, like just be that much more, you know, pounding the pavement um, and, being, and being conscious and, and not just doing things in a rote fashion, right? But every single time, Right. Going back to Bruce Lee, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you got to remember the essence of the thing. Right. If you throw in a kick, but you're not fully cognizant that this kick is to, you know, provide lethal force. Right. You know, uh, to your opponent. And you're just or, or rather you're just going through the Billy Blanks exercise motions. It's like, nah, you know what I mean? So every yeah. single time that we throw this kick, we have to be fully concentrated on on the, what, what is the essence of it. So, you know. Yeah, man, consistency and, and being very conscious and aware of of your actions in that moment. For sure. Like, that reminds me of um, Jeff Olson's The Slight Edge book, uh, which is basically, what I learned from that book is uh, simple disciplines compounded over time yep. is the success that you're looking for. Stop yes, looking sir. for the quantum leap. Yep. Keep doing the same things over and yep. over. It's going to compound. Uh, and I never thought about the compound part, but... Uh, Mm. It, it multiplies and then suddenly the thing that used to be hard to do is very very easy to do and then you just kind of wind up in this zone next thing you know you're just like uh, an award-winning uh, entrepreneur like yourself <laughs> <laughs> i like how you brought that around yeah. man. that's funny but yeah yeah man yeah please continue. so you're you're a morehouse guy you're an hbcu guy so i just quickly want to know on a scale of one mm -hmm. to ten one being not enthused at all okay being extremely excited how excited are you to hear that kamala harris a howard grad member of alpha kappa alpha aka she's been selected by joe biden to be the vice presidential nominee where are you and that's and that's great that you asked the question because you've given me the opportunity to look at it through a different lens mm -hmm. right so as an HBCU grad and understanding that, you know, this is, from that standpoint, this is the first time in history, right? Because uh, shout out to Barack and Michelle, they went to, you know, Ivy League institutions, which was right. great, you know, mm -hmm. um, whatever the case is, but this is the first time in the executive leadership to, to that height that HBCU education and experience, you know, good, bad, or indifferent will be taken into uh, the White House. So mm -hmm. that's fresh. Um, and I appreciate the question for allowing me to stop and think and to appreciate 
um, that that particular space and place in history right. um, because because that is that is important for the legacy of HBCUs. Now, it, you know, so I'll, I'll leave it right there because I answered <laughs> the question that you asked me, and I will not, you know. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I'll just say I will continue to have a you know positive interview with you about everything that's going on with Bro Capital. <laughs> but, yeah, so I'll say that you know, shout out to HBCUs. There you go. H, shout out to HBCUs. That's good to know. You know, that's that's the rate. That's like all over social media right now, and you yep. know, people people have a lot of opinions about it. I think she'll yeah. do fine. I think she'll be fine. Um, so let's get into it. You're a social justice entrepreneur. What exactly is that? Can you get rich doing it? That's a great question, man. Um, I think you can. I definitely think you can. Uh, and I will say that we are. <laughs> um, because at the end of the day, right, business is about solving problems. People are paid to solve problems. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, people will pay to solve their problems right you know from a, a marketing standpoint so i so that's the first thing also um you know coming to game and really flipping it on his head man is that uh i don't think that there's a coincidence that equity right is a is a double entendre in that regard of ownership but also justice in that sense right and then of course you know once we start talking about capital is much more than money appreciation so on and so forth man so it you know we're really coming in just with a different philosophy around it uh, shout out to morehouse and our hbcu experience and learning sociology from those esteemed professors um like the dr kings and the dr mm -hmm. hewitts and the dr livingston's and you know the dr wilson's and uh all of those professors man and uh the dr hodges i'll say the dr McKinney's. Um, you know, and, and pardon me if I left anybody else out from the sociology department at Morehouse, but really coming in, understanding that, you know, a very acute understanding of the social problems of the world um, and the history of those problems affecting Black people. And so, you know, I understood quickly that, you know, we're going to have to <laughs> okay, coming out, of, coming out of high school, man, I, my, I was reading some of my papers the other day. I mm. wanted to be a uh, I, I really wanted to be involved with the Urban League, right? As a Me too. As a team. Yeah, Me that was like too. that was like my main thing, and, and I went to Whitney Young High School, right? So shout out to really, uh, yeah, shout out to Whitney Young. You know what I'm saying? Being that guy who took it to the next level and was really that uh that economic force, um, you know, really getting folks jobs in in the '60s or what have you, mm -hmm. along with King and you know, uh, Barry Rustin and you know, A. Philip Randolph and the whole gang. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, well, yeah, I was yeah. a part of the uh, the Urban League for a number of years. I was the, uh, you know, I was a YP chapter, I guess, okay. committee chair. You okay. know, and then, of course, you know, Whitney Young, there's a luncheon in Philly called the Whitney okay. Young Luncheon. And, you know, that's a, I'm a regular at that thing. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Urban League uh, conferences, you know, they're they're legendary. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to one of those. I've, I have not been to an early conference. I actually, it's funny, man, like throughout my career, I've kind of like swerved and bumped into the Urban League just here and there, like mm -hmm. cross arms, but we've never had any sustainable partnerships or where I was like really an active member or anything like that. So it's kind of been, it's been on and off. I haven't had a negative relationship with the, uh, with the Urban League. Everything's been positive for the most part it's just nothing's that ever actually stuck right i would go to a meeting and try to you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying make some connections but you know i, I actually moved around a lot so, so you want to know what that. i think the, the urban league is and, I, and shout out to the urban league i love everybody mm -hmm. at the urban league shout out to mark Morrill and all, all the good people over there listen <clears throat> urban league is like it's like a country club it's like a country club for successful educated african-americans and that's not a bad thing it's not like it. Not everything has to be like the social justice. Let's get let's pound the pavement and make a difference. It not everything has to be that. Like I always say, just be who you are. And I think the Urban League they love to get together. They like to dress up. They like to have 
some champagne and eat some hors d'oeuvres, talk about life. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I just think that just, just stick to what you are. If you want to contribute to something, just contribute some, some finances and you want to get on a panel and talk about this and talk about that. Yeah. And that's, I get, and that's the thing, man, to where, you know, the Urban League has been around and it, whether it's a, 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 I guess, a lapse in their PR or in their marketing and just really communicating their impact. But it's mm-hmm. like, you know, between the NAACP as well as the Urban League, I mean, I've actually worked for the NAACP and some of my work was, you know, collaborating with the Urban League um, right. here in my hometown of uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, but yeah, man, and that's kind of where Bro Capital came in because it's like, man, we want to be, you know, I guess because once you start talking about large corporations, right, and, you know, having donors and just having a bureaucratic structure that's already in place and not necessarily having that opportunity to be lean in its movement and in its development. So it's like we decided to come in with Bro Capital and really do something from the ground up that was actually really designed for this time and really, really laser focused in on black men uh, in particular, because, you know, that's where the the market opportunity really, um, really was. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, my next question had to do with broke capital and uh, how it works. And, and I definitely took a look at the website and I, and I've taken a look at, you know, broke capital from the outside looking in. Uh, can you tell me about, you know, how it began and who you collaborated with and what the mission of Bro Capital is? Okay. Um, so you said who we are, how we began, and what's the mission? Yes. Okay. So Bro Capital is the world's first financial technology and services company or should I, or should I, excuse me, the world's first cooperatively owned and operated financial technology and services company, specifically designed to increase the financial wellness of black men. Mm. That's powerful. That's pro- give me, first of all, give me an opportunity to take that in. Okay. Let me give a hand clap. That that sounds <laughs> extremely powerful. So. Uh, you know, I'm an African-American man, you know, I'm paycheck to paycheck and my customer service job, you know, and I come, how can Bro Capital help me? So it's really, uh, we, we offer three things um, mm-hmm. to our members. Uh, and it's kind of like, you know, they're really all of them are the gifts that keep on giving. So the first one is we offer, you know, to automate your cash reserve fund right? Because most millennials and most individuals in the United States can't handle a thousand dollar emergency. So automating (laughs) your savings, right? And then of course, along with that, not just automating your savings, but you're now able to leverage, right? The savings of the other people who are in, uh, who have bro accounts with bro capital. So um, that's the first thing, right? Automating Mm -hmm. that, that cash reserve fund. And then of course, now because you're saving, right? Potluck theory, you're able to leverage what everybody else is saving for business opportunities, right? And then if emergency should happen, now you do have, you know, funds that you can access, right? If, you know, anything were to go left. And we have, you know, case studies around how bros were able to use that cash reserve in order to handle certain uh, business, you know, put a down payment on a home, um, invest, right? Pay off debt. Uh, lost a job, you know, had a new baby, all of those things, right? When you got some cash on hand, you can either invest or if, you know, emergency comes, you can handle that move. Second thing is that we have education and resources, education around business development, uh, the same science that we use to develop bro capital and the other companies within our portfolio. We teach that directly to members, right? And then of course, we also provide resources. So if we're looking at, let's say, um, you know, some particular uh, uh, ETFs or, or a mutual fund, right, for the, the, the overall organization to get behind and invest in. Um, the members have access to the research and the due diligence that has been done on all of the picks, right? Of course, we're going to pick mm. one, 
but mm-hmm. now you have access to let's say you know the top 150 that we were going through right so that's so you have a cash reserve fund you have education in terms of business development also we're also developing content around uh investing and trading as well um as well as project management uh not i don't want to i don't want to skip the project management along with the business development um remote project management training and then the last piece is you have that international community of bros who you can call on to uh, you know whether it just be camaraderie or if it's you know doing business right um mm-hmm. or if it's of course a healthy combination of both because we you know firmly believe that we do business with people that we like and you know we can't be talking about intergenerational wealth if we're not also promoting doing business with your family and your friends got it okay no no i mean obviously that makes a lot of sense so it sounds like almost like a mutual fund hedge fund private equity it's man- it's kind of like man i used to tell people we're like the duck bill platypus of <laughs> The financial services because you know we kind of bring in elements of all these different pieces but it's kind of like are you a bank no we're not are you mm-hmm. venture capitalist no we're not are you a hedge fund no we're not are you financial advisors no we're not okay so what are you we are a cooperatively owned and operated financial technology company you know what i'm saying and just leave mm-hmm. it right there because at the end of the day right understanding that it's extremely intuitive that you know we're totally of the belief that bro capital should have could have existed long ago mm-hmm. however for whatever reason it has not but you know it was on us to do it so it's kind of like you know black men putting their money together as a you know as a collective like of course you know why haven't we been doing this i agree with you i mean um and and i think that you know, I've read a, a really fascinating book, Ross, about uh, Black Philadelphia. Uh, so, I, you know, obviously Philadelphia is one of the blackest cities in America. Uh-huh. And uh, it's definitely got a history. And uh, I really wanted to study about, you know, why Black Philadelphia is the way that it is. And uh, there were two banks in the early 1900s, uh, the Cosmopolitan Bank and the other bank, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there were two of these Black-owned banks, and they were actually investors in Marcus Garvey's uh, Black Star Network and the Howard Theater. And I could see they were trying to invest. Um, and then, you know, obviously, uh, the, the you know, United States government, you know, conspired in getting it shut down. And, um, you know, and they, they basically ruined the investments, and then that caused a run on the banks. Man. And then, yeah, yeah, it caused a run on it's the so- banks and... Bro, it's so crazy because, you know, we talk about the uh, the Freedmen's Trust Bank or, or what have you that, you know, yeah. embezzled into the ground. Then we have this on top of Black Wall Street. Then we have really the tragic event that inspired Ida B. Wells to become, you know, the prolific writer that she was because there was a Black business owner in Memphis who was, you know, killing the competition. And of course, right had to mm-hmm. be eliminated um, and assassinated. So it's like, yeah, man, you know, I, it's funny. I was telling somebody the other day, like, how we tout the Voting Rights Act of 1965 that, you know, oh, our ancestors died so that we could vote. Um, true mm-hmm. enough, right? But our ancestors also died for us to be business owners and economically sufficient and independent. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Shout out to the Jobs Act of 2012. Because really the fact that, you know, accredited investors, you know, ha- had access to these opportunities for eons longer than non-accredited investors, right? And so the mm-hmm. fact that they actually, you know, release those um, those those stringent parameters on being an accredited investor and open that up to now, we can have a shout out to Dawn Dixon um, and Popcom and the success that they've having, and just the uh, shout out to the uh, the acquisition that they made, right? Because they were able to leverage the crowd. Shout out to uh, Black Mama T, um, shout out to Sun Joint. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's been a yeah. few, you feel me, folks who've leveraged the Job Act as a way to build extreme wealth. And, and you know, those are two Black women who I named, well, three, right? Shout out to the, uh, I think it's, uh, I, pardon me for not knowing her name as well, but the, the acquisition that was made with Dawn Dixon um, and, and Popcom, there was a Black woman in the mix as well. So Black women, again, Black women been killing the game. You know what I'm saying? Now it's time for 
it's been time for black men for us to collectivize. You feel me? You know, yeah. shout out to Beyonce, right? Ladies get in formation. Right. The ladies been in formation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they, they have been black black men to really, you know, hold black men accountable um, in more ways than one. Okay, and then I'm glad you see, and you're just saying things that lead right into my other questions. But I mean, this this what you said is very profound. In that you know, black men obviously they do need to get in formation. What do you feel like black men need to learn about money in 2020? What is it that they did you feel like we're missing? Man, we, um, uh, I got to shout out uh, Waka Flocka, man. Um, <laughs> He's I'm got like, a nice investment portfolio. Bro, bro, I got a shout out Waka, man. And, and just not the fact that he got a nice investment portfolio, right? But the fact that my man is really out here on, you know, syndicated, you feel me, that got the cultural stamp media outlets talking about whole life insurance. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. My yeah. man is talking about, you know, investing and, you know, having the people around you, putting the people on it. You know what I mean? And I think it's so interesting because uh, as we would talk about, right, uh, you know, and I, I, I'm, I, this, is, this is just, you know, something to think about, right? Where we'll talk about, you know, Black Thought or we'll talk about Rakim and Big Daddy Kane and these guys is like, oh man, he's really spitting that knowledge, right? But when they mm-hmm. get into interviews, you know what I'm saying? Are they giving us the game that Waka just gave us? You feel me? With the game mm-hmm. that Waka just gave us, my man's, you know what I'm saying? Is Waka not a air quote conscious rapper now because my man is highly aware of what's going on and was really you know putting us up on game so it's kind of like you know it's interesting that you listen to you write a a Rakim interview and shout out to Rakim right but you don't get the same type of game that you're gonna get you know what I'm saying when Waka spit and then you feel me folks try to play Waka like he just some you know uh uh wild child misfit you know what I mean um so Long story well, you never short, get a man. chance to make a first impression, and his yeah. first album was kind of ignorant. But, <laughs> but I will tell you, he's a better interviewer and social media, you know, social media guy than you know than the Rock Kims and the Black. Interesting, Kong. interesting, yeah, man. But just long story short, man. Okay, that uh, you know, what like as far as just the power, I would say of of insurance, mm. um, is the first thing, and. Uh, the the uh, the understanding that culture is capital and that and of course right I guess well say capital is more than money and then asterisk underneath that culture is capital right, right. understanding um man that we we that we're building our culture from scratch like you know everything was systematically withdrawn from us through the chattel enslavement experience and so mm-hmm. we have to go through that process of really figuring out right what our cultural practices are um and shout out to e franklin fraser and, and, and black af on uh netflix because um you know all the episodes are because of slavery right and it's he's it's a joke but it's like man this is very serious that that hundreds of years experience right really affects you know, that experience permeates so many different aspects of our lives even today. So, man, um, understanding that, that that cultural head start, like, let's, like, let's take the, the financial head start out, out the picture. Like, we just going to disdain that for a second and we're going to look mm-hmm. at completely the cultural head start that was provided to, you know, these other, these other cultures, right? That, you know, you could trace your heritage back thousands of years. That's capital, mm. man. You it know what is. I'm saying? No, that's, that is. And we can't act like that's not a part of the head start. So it's like, man, we can only go back a couple generations. So we right. don't, you know what I mean? Like, so so the fact that we're building that up, right? We're building these generations up that, you know, you can look back and see how many generations, right? Uh, that we could trace it back five generations now because, you know, folks been living past the effects of slavery. But yeah, man, that's um, that's a, that's a whole nother piece that, you know, that's why, again, to us, culture is the most important thing as we're moving through uh, this this phase of grow capital, right? And I think that we've uh, achieved it um, to a great degree and, you know, with, with a little bit of uh, 
of a prolific nature of really developing out this culture within Bro Capital that has garnered us such an amazing retention rate to where we've you know, been bring, able to bring Black men together for over four years and retain those Black men from four years ago while still bringing on new Black men to come into this fold and work together and, you know, and really just uplift one another financially, culturally, and otherwise. No, that makes a lot. No, listen, that I think you said something that's so profound. I never really thought of it from a cultural perspective, but you're 100% right. First of all, you, you mentioned uh, E. Franklin Frazier, that uh, the book, The Negro Family in the United States, it was written in 1939, but that was one of the best books I've ever read. Mm. One of the best books I've ever read by E. Franklin Frazier. And then, um, you know what, I think that what I would say, Black men need to learn about money. Number one, money is not finite. There is an infinite amount of liquidity available. Mm. It's just about us solving problems and getting compensated for it. I think that's uh, something that we need to understand. And I think well, we, we need to be around you know, African-Americans who understand wealth and how it works and how it was taken I think to some degree, we need to understand how, like it's okay that we have to start from scratch because we understand why. I think understanding the why is really, really important. Like, like for example, you know, my great grandfather, uh, he, you know, I did my ancestry thing, right? Okay. And so I, I, dug, I dug, man, I dug in the crates and I was digging through records for months come to find out my great-grandfather was uh, an entrepreneur in South Carolina. He owned a steel mill. Okay. And he was one of the wealthiest, you know, wealthiest guys in town, you know, and back, you know, back in the uh, industrial age, in the heart of the industrial age, building the railroads and, uh, you know, steel was in high demand and he was supplying it. Uh, okay. And one of the wealthiest guys in the world. And then uh, come to find out, you know, he died in jail. And I was like, well, how did he die in jail? And then I came to find out, you know, through the historical records that there was uh, an attack by the Ku Klux Klan in that town. Burnt down town, burnt down the business. Mm. And, 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 you know, so think about how if my great-grandfather was able to pass that wealth on down to my grandfather, then to my father, and then to me, what would my the trajectory of my life would be completely yep. different? Yep. And and it you know and I'm I'm saying my story may sound unique, but this is reality for a lot of us. A lot of us, bro. And it's and, and so, it's important. And so it's and so it's like I have to be very, you know, very respectful because it's it's not like we haven't been developing businesses, and it's not like we haven't been right coming together right this isn't new because we do have a rich legacy of you know the Haytai neighborhood and Tuskegee and Harlem and Detroit and Chicago and you know what I'm saying yeah. parts of LA so it's like yeah man it's not like we haven't been you know what I'm saying uh, enterprising and entrepreneurial man I think it's a uh, I think that's a, again one of the another intricate point of brown bro capital is that cooperatively owned and operated nature of it mm -hmm. is that we don't have figureheads that you can eliminate and then you know it would stop the show right gotcha. um the way we built the organization is you know you 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 got multiple people who will be able to run and make decisions uh, the the, the chain of command is diffused in that way so it's like yeah man you know one month you don't stop no show so that's things like still continue, you know, so, that's and that's, like and, and that's, you know, us as an institution, man, like this isn't a startup, right? We're the anti-startup. Most, you know, startup companies are like, oh, we're going to come into the game and we're going to make this exit five to seven, maybe 10 years. Right. With Bro Capital, it's like, nah, man, we are here for the next 100 years minimum, period. Wow. Wow. So it's, you're really building the value. That's mm -hmm. the thing. Like you're not focused on the profit, you're building the value. Mm -hmm. uh, this is what I heard yesterday when I was listening to um Patrick David Benton value tainment. Uh and he was talking about, you know, Jeff Bezos. And he was like, you know, Jeff wasn't looking to get profits. He wasn't looking to, you know, you know, make profit and run. Like he wanted to be here for the long haul. Yeah. And he was focused on building value 
in solving problems instead of focusing on just getting a couple dollars and then running off. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's a that's a phenomenal uh, mindset to have. Now, now, Ross, I really do want to know, like, you know, do you feel like banks fail African Americans today, or is it just that we just need to be better with our financial literacy? To be honest, man, banks are failing everybody. Mm. Um, and they're particularly egregious when it comes to Americans in Africa or Africans in America, excuse me. So I, I don't, I, you know, it's kind of like banks or the financial industry, man, they've got such a chokehold on it, such a monopoly to where they haven't had to shift with the times mm-hmm. for, to a large extent, right? Because it's like, you know, we, we got the money to back up or to move any players out of the space that, we so choose, right? We can lobby for legislation to, you know, create higher bars of institution uh, worthy, you know, organizations or what have you, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of 2 million, right, make it 5 million. So, <laughs> it, you know, um, kind of like when it comes to the, the so-called ghetto loans, right? The air quote mm-hmm. ghetto loans that they were issuing to folks during the housing crisis when it comes yeah. to the fact they've got, you know, recently the story came out J.P. Morgan Chase, directly, you know, in the South Side of Chicago, right? Smack dab in the hood, but they haven't been loaning anybody in that area money <laughs> for a long time. So, yeah. you know, we've been supporting these institutions, um, and they've been taking advantage of us, right? Now we're not gonna mention the uh, the overdraft fees that you oh, know are, are incurred, um, the 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 record breaking profits that they've been taking in the uh the inability to disperse the covid relief funding equitably so yeah man there's they're, they're failing everybody but it's particularly egregious with us oh yeah well i totally agree with that and you know i could that could be a whole podcast in and of itself mm-hmm. uh, you know in terms of you mentioned the, <laughs> the the housing crisis you know countrywide you know i was actually at an urban league conference um, back in 2008. Yeah, it was definitely 2008. So you really be, you be really plugged in with the Urban League, huh? Oh, listen, I was plugged in with the Urban League. I'll tell you what, we go to an Urban League conference, there's nothing like it. There's okay. nothing like it. Uh, and I say that, Ross, because, um, you know, back in the day, it used to be one of the few times during the year where I could speak to guys of like mindset. Um, where you could just sit at the table. And I remember one night, I don't think this was in 08. This was like maybe in 2010. I think this was when it was in DC. And uh, it was one of the, <laughs> it was one of the funniest scenes um, that I can remember. We were all in this uh, banquet ballroom type of place. And it was kind of like after the conferences, I think Barack Obama, uh, when he was president, President Barack Obama spoke uh, at the uh, conference and it was in DC, so it was convenient for him. And um, we, it was after all the shows and we were just kind of networking, so to speak. So it was like a networking uh, gathering in the evening or whatever. And um, it was funny to me because, you know, of course, all the ladies put on their best, you know, outfits and, you know, they're looking their best and they're ready to mingle. But all the guys were sitting at the table with each other, like talking about politics. They were talking about uh finances they were talking about current news events like we weren't talking about the stereotypical black guy conversation of uh, basketball rap that type of thing like we were talking about you know what we read in the wall street journal we talking about and then the women were just kind of standing there <laughs> looking at us like uh you gonna talk to us or no like but it was like one of those times ross where we were just like so excited to see one another, to hang out with one another. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, listen, man, you got to go to one of these things. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, man. You, uh, you know, you're talking about a HBCU homecoming or you're talking about really one of the, uh, the, the brunch and bro breakfasts that we talk about and throw in different cities around, you know, the country. So where the bros will link up in LA or they'll link up in Raleigh, Durham. And like you say, man, it's, that's really what it's about, right? To where we can have these conversations 
from sports to the Wall Street Journal and not have to code switch. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. We can right. we can have organic conversation with each other and really share information in ways that, you know, we're presenting our full self and not a shell of ourselves because we're in this hostile environment. So so Bro Capital has events like or is it just like meetups? Man, we have both. So okay. we, we, we throw on our share parties. Um, Sounds fun. Shout out to Atlanta and you know, oh. just taking advantage of homecoming week. So we've done our share of events there. We've also um, had different meetups, you know, like you say, throughout the country in different hubs where at different bros' houses, you know, mm-hmm. you can pull up, meet the bro, meet the local bros in the area um, and just chop it up with us, man, and, you know. And, and, you know, really just showing that we're real people, right? This isn't some talented 10th play to where you got to be graduated here or you got to do this or do that. Like, we do have some accomplished cats on the squad, but that's not, you know, necessary, right? right. It's great right. to have, but that's not the uh, the prerequisite. So really just, you know, showing folks, man, these are real people. It's more than just the founders, um, you know, rock with us. Well, let me know. Like, I gotta, I gotta be the next one, man. So I gotta put in my application. Man, you know, COVID, COVID uh, got everything slow these days, man. But yeah. we definitely, we definitely have the Black Men's Library that we've launched, which is a virtual community where we're dissecting text, man. So, like you say, you got Poweronomics next to you. Currently, mm-hmm. we're going through the philosophies and opinions of Marcus Garvey, and the mm. next book, next book that we'll be going through is uh, the Poweronomics by Claude Anderson. All right so, then. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, join join the Black Men's Library. Um, and also, you can, uh, like I say, man, we got to get you a part of Bro Capital, man, because, you, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's overdue at this point. Well overdue. Yeah, I need to put in, I might do it as, well, I, I was going to say right during the podcast. I'm going to do it right after the podcast. Uh, I, okay. I want to make sure I sign up. Um, a few other things I definitely wanted to go over with you. I wanted to talk about Susu's and Blessing looms. I know that okay. you had a you had a, a Facebook status up. Like, this is not us. That's not what we do. But those That's susus, funny. they're out there. And shout out to, and shout out to the susus because yeah, the susus, no you know, hundreds, thousands of year old, you know, concept. Like, it's there. Yeah, true enough. Oh yeah. So um, I was gonna say, you know, what's your opinion about the susus? I mean, I know I've also heard about the blessing looms. Have you heard about that? Um, I definitely have heard about Blessing Looms. Um, definitely I've heard about Susus. Um, I think different, you know, it's like different modes of transportation, man. Like, uh, it's the bike versus the horse versus the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can, you can ride a horse to get there if you want to, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's not too efficient. You can ride your bike, but right. you know, that's not too efficient. Or you can hop in this van. Mm-hmm. <laughs> air conditioned van and get there on time um with the navigation center in it so right. really so it's not as it's, it's really uh uh with us right like it's no knock to the susu no knock to the blessing loom we just do it better it's kind of like you know i'm from northeast ohio so obviously i'm gonna be partial to lebron james and you know in those jordan and lebron conversations i'm gonna be like LeBron is better off the strength that he had the opportunity to learn from Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Um, So with like Susus and Blessing Looms or whatnot, it's like, yeah, we're better than that because we had the opportunity to learn from, you know, what y'all were doing originally. So it's like, you know, no diss, but it's like, yeah, we iterated upon that. We added the technology, you know, we made it sustainable. Um, We really put the institutional element to it because it's like, with most blessing loans, what happened if 20 people leave your blessing loan right now? Right. You know what I'm saying? What happened yeah. if 10 people leave your blessing loan tomorrow? You know what I'm saying? Or, or leave your susu tomorrow, right? What's going to happen then? Where's, where's the transparency at? Where the funds at? You know what I'm saying? How are y'all making decisions based upon the money? Like, you know, do y'all have a reputable brand? What's y'all web experience like? Like, do y'all mm. even have a brand? You know what mm. I'm saying? Like, yeah, man, we better than that. You feel me, folks? You like yeah. the bros can you can really leverage an internationally recognized brand as a co-owner. Just think about that for a second. Pause. 
you can buy into Bro Capital right now as a shareholding member and leverage all of the work that we've done since 2016 because you're a shareholding member now and nobody will look at you sideways because you're a co-owner. That sounds, that sounds like a plan right there. You know what I'm saying? Where it's yeah. like, that's, you know, we all, we created this banner so that, you know, different people could rock underneath it and whatever business or, you know, profession that you're a part of. When you say I'm a part of Bro Capital or I'm one of the bros, that that means something, that that holds weight. That's a social currency. And we've developed that brand equity to this point to where, yeah, man, you can get on today and really be out here talking about Bro Capital. And then folks would click on it and be like, dang, like these folks really, you know, <laughs> they, they really doing it. Exactly. And, and I think the most important thing that you mentioned there is the accountability, the mm -hmm. accountability and the integrity. And I don't know if you're familiar with this. There's a lot of scrutiny with a few black entrepreneurs out there. Um, I know, you know, Dana Chanel who ran the Sprinkle of Jesus app and then she got the business boot camp. And then, of course, I, I don't know if you've heard uh, Jay Morrison, who uh, runs the Tulsa Fund and uh, the Black Real Estate Business Programs. And, you know, some of them are under some heavy fire. Uh, some of them calling them scammers. I mean, so much so they have YouTube channels and IG pages set up and they got thousands of followers. Right. And it just covers how they're alleged scammers. Like, how do you navigate the business and the promotion on the social media and just keeping an eye on integrity along the way? Um, I mean... Man, uh, I, I would really pride the team on being very strategic with how we've chosen to move up to this point. Um, and just even the topics that we'll speak upon or just how, you know, so we just being very intentional about all of these steps along the way because, you know, as we escalate and as we ascend, it, you know, the stakes become right that much higher. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's uh it's it's like, man, um I I don't necessarily it, and it's kind of you know, I don't necessarily even want to speak on those situations off the strength that like I don't I haven't even done my research to even talk to them intelligibly. Right. Um but what I can say is that Whenever you're, you know, whenever you find people looking for saviors or individual figures, right, to be a, a, a savior or a Christ-like figure, right, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to run into the issue of somebody screaming out, you know, charlatanry, whether it be the fact that the person was actually a charlatan. Or if that, you know, they just really found out that this was a human and not everything that they had, you know, put their hope and trust and faith into, right? So it's like, and sometimes it's a matter of the, those two things meeting in the middle. But mm. at the end of the day, um, you know, I, that's why, you know, with Bro Capital, man, we do our best to build an environment to where it's not centered around one person, right? To where we never came out the gate saying, we're experts in this space. We know everything about this space to where we said, man, we're just a platform to facilitate everybody, you know, coming together. So whatever it is that you know, please, please bring that because there's somebody who doesn't know that. You know what I'm saying? Even if you only know a little piece, that little piece could be, you know, the missing piece to somebody else who knows a whole lot more than you do, right? So right. just, you know, we never positioned ourselves as financial experts for us. Again, it was about developing a culture of collaboration where folks felt safe enough to share, right? To creating that sharing economy. And then of course, you know, to where they were also encouraged to, uh, to do that consistently. So yeah, man, that's, you know, that's what's different about us, man, is that we, it's not a, oh, I'm the central figure of it. Um, nah, man, this thing is like, yeah, I'm co-founder, co-CEO of Bro Capital because understanding that like, yeah, man, it's two people up, in the front flying that plane you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying mm -hmm. um so yeah just just balancing everything out and uh shout out to bobby seal and you know huey Newton. shout out to bobby seal and huey like some of the original alpha men of of uh, all black men for sure right and, uh -huh. and how they came together to you know to put it down 
No, that's actually true. Do you like kind of model that after the Black uh, Panthers? I didn't even think about that. Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, of course, right, drawing inspiration from them, but I wouldn't right. say we draw from them any more so than we draw from, you know, uh, let's say Big Meech and his philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, or <laughs> or or Larry Hoover and his uh his philosophy. You know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. or even taking it to um, how Mansa Musa was doing. You know what I'm saying. But I we we've done our best as students of history, right? Hannibal, you know what I'm saying, to like draw from all of these um, folks who have affected and impacted and who have uh, had clashes with the status quo by trying to bring about change, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Um, you know, just just making sure that we're doing our due diligence again to sustain for 100 years as a cultural and community institution, not just a fly by night project or company. Gotcha. No, for sure. Um, now I know that there's a there's a lot of members. Not like it's like two or three members in there. I know back in 2018, over a thousand black men that put some money towards their financial goals, uh, being a part of Broke Capital. How many members of Broke Capital do you have now? Can you disclose? Um, I'll say that we're, you know, it's still a community of thousands of black men. I will say that, you know, as far as shareholding members go, um, man, we are upwards of really, really close to 50. I think we may have crossed the 50 threshold today. But uh, but yeah, man, shareholding members closing out around fifty, man. So it's it's exciting, and then of course, right, a, a larger community to where folks mm-hmm. are. You know, just not necessarily running day to day, but yeah, man, the organization is has grown substantially since the uh, the Inc. article came out. So mm-hmm. yeah, man, it's uh, it's things are moving. Yeah, you're moving in the right direction for sure, for sure. Um... So I guess, are you a Cleveland Cavaliers fan or are you just a LeBron fan or both? Uh, man, I'm I'm a LeBron fan for sure, first and foremost, I'd say. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Cavs, when they're good, man, I really don't have no allegiance to the Cavs, <laughs> though, like that. Like, you know, team is a team. But shout out to LeBron because, you know, again, right, from the area, Akron is quite a ways from Cleveland, but I can definitely say from Northeast Ohio, you know, he was LeBron, you know, him in high school was a part of my childhood, part of a middle school and elementary school for me. So um, to see how he's taking it and really, right, how his team has done it, how they, how those black men have come together to dominate sports and entertainment as a conglomerate to be reckoned with across, you know, uh, film, you know what I'm saying? Television, uh, sports, like, you know, they just they just doing it, man. So big up to them, Maverick Carter, um, and then LeBron, and then of course, right, uh, Rich Paul, Rich who Paul. is the most po- powerful man in the league right now. I was telling folks, man, boxers weren't getting paid millions of dollars to box until a young man from Cleveland named Don King came mm-hmm. through and had a whole different vision. Yeah, NBA man. players didn't have all this control in the league as they do right now until a young player from Cleveland came through and said, we going to do it differently. You know what I'm saying? Floyd Mayweather attributes all of his knowledge to Al Heyman, right? Another mm-hmm. Cleveland native who came through and changed the game. So yeah, man, when them Cleveland boys get to <laughs> talking about sports and entertainment, man, we changed the game with it. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, I'll take it. I will definitely <laughs> take it. You know, I've actually, you know, had a couple of, uh, podcast guests you guys are from the midwest chicago cleveland uh i talked to another entrepreneur uh my good friend nicole um who was on my second podcast she's from st louis and there's like a there's like a midwest thing going on you know i i'm not sure exactly what it is maybe it's just yeah. the upbringing maybe it's just the the blue collar work ethic that kind of gets translated into um you know business it's yeah. something it's I something. tell people, man, that, you know, people say that New York is the, the, the concrete jungle, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, Cleveland is a concrete tundra. It's like, I would rather be in the jungle because at least that's lush and green and I could do some stuff with that. Like, 
Cleveland is barren. So if you end up making it out here and you can really navigate a way, you know, to do your thing out here, it's like, man, you, you, you figured it out, you know, so you can go other places and really blow up and, and, you know, shout out to again, big leech, right. It was these Detroit boys that went down to Atlanta and really got the scene popping that really blew it up. You know what I'm saying? Um, Mm. Shout out to quality control, right. Coach K, you know, and his work with Jeezy as well as, uh, you know, Gucci, right? Coach K is from Naptown, Indianapolis. So is he really? Yeah. Not yeah, man. That. When uh <laughs> when the Midwest dudes hit the South, man, or really start moving around, man, we 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 set the tone for real. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. But but back to LeBron, I mean, you mentioned something interesting with him. I mean, his team, I remember for a while I didn't even see LeBron in any commercials. Mm. And you know, that's when he fired, you know, this traditional uh, team and his, his agency, he just decided to work with his boys. Right. And everybody's like, oh my God, he's making a huge mistake. And he's basically turned himself into a billionaire, into, yep. into an owner yep. uh, and an investor of multiple companies. Yep. And uh, that definitely started with those guys. And you mentioned Rich Paul. He is, you mentioned he's the most powerful guy in the NBA. He just might be. Yep. He just might be. I mean, because he gets automatic max contracts for all of his guys. Yep. And puts them exactly where they want to be. And yeah, and, he, and he's got franchise players, man. It's not like he got, you know, these uh, B-lister scrubs. You right. know what I'm saying? And he, yeah. he's got he's got the veterans all the way to the young guys with Trey Young to the guys in between with Ben Simmons and, yeah. and AD. So it's like, yeah, man, he's uh, – and then, of course, right, the strategic move, getting LeBron out to the West Coast in the twilight of his career for him to really – start making those moves in Hollywood on, with boots on the ground. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. Bro, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing to see, man. Like, just how they really, really took it over. Like, that's that's the model right there. And I was just thinking, it's funny the other day, man, is that, uh, you know, taking inspiration from Jay-Z and Rockefeller even. Like, again, I'm a creative, so, you know, I just happen to showcase my creativity through business building. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, taking um you know jay-z lyrics or being inspired by those or just uh you know just man just just everything from everywhere right like even lebron and his team and just putting that into how we build bro capital in particular you know nipsey hustle um yeah and mailbox money which was man mailbox money was so impactful for us because it was like around the time where the ideas were brewing of bro capital you know mailbox money the music was in the midst and so as he was talking about the people in the future who create the new business models not the new products and the new services but come through with a whole entirely new business model will be the ones who shake things up and that's what bro capital is our business model by us coming in as a cooperatively owned and operated we've immediately shifted the tide of capitalism from ownership and you know worker owner relationship to right the workers are the owners you know what i'm saying those two things are equal and so now we totally flipped the game and so that's how we've been able to get buy-in from thousands of black men across the country to to really you know what i'm saying feel like this is family if nothing else even if you know they're not co-owning members they still feel a part of the family You know, that reminds me of a quote, uh, when individuals join in a cooperative venture, the power generated far exceeds what they could have accomplished by acting individually. And I think if there's one thing that I can take away from this podcast is that Black men can benefit from working together, and Black men definitely need to work together. And I think you're a shining model of what happens when we work together. And so I definitely want to congratulate you on all the success with Bro Capital. What can we expect uh, in the near future from Bro? Uh, That's, man, you know, you can uh, expect more surprises. (laughs) (laughs) Um, More more wins, um, more announcements. Uh, Really, really want to definitely plug the black men's library as um you know a, a, a budding and thriving community right now um really getting black men engaged and i think one of the 
the beautiful things around about bro capital is that we've created we figured out how to get black men to you know come into the situation and begin contributing right to where um you know we came up in barbershops to where black men would be talking about these amazing things and these ideas and you know some genius like really inspirational moments would come out aspirational moments would come out of those but nobody would ever move on those things right and so mm-hmm. that's where the project management comes into play so we'll be releasing a, a project management course um very soon for the public a remote project management course and mm-hmm. uh you know really showing people how to get this business done with us you know in in various places across the world um and then beyond that we've got sis capital coming for mm-hmm. our our sisters who have been supporting us since day one uh, they've always been asking so when you know when's the sister organization coming when's it coming um we definitely are you know aiming to launch that before the bottom well i'll say before the top of 2021 so um, in 2020, you can look out for that. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, you know, you, once COVID let up, you feel me, and we can be back outside and, you know, putting boots on the ground. Um, but like I say, man, just at the end of the day, man, you can expect us to continue to speak in, uh, speaking truth to power. You can, you know, expect us to continue to, um, you know, setting our own rules, playing by our own rules, you feel me, bootstrapping uh, from the ground up. We haven't taken anybody's money, right? It's not like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, you come to the NAACP and it's all white people in the office or whatever. Like, that's not, that's not what's going on here. There's no white puppet masters behind the scene on some Frank Lucas. Nobody owns me though, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So for real, for real. Um, and, And, you know, just for the audience, just to give them an idea of like, how intentional we we are about our image and our brand is that you will not see bro capital members wearing ties in our photos. You may see a blazer, you may see a jacket, Mm -hmm. you may Mm -hmm. see a button up, but you won't see a tie, right? Just off the strength that that's not who we are. We don't ever want to create this air of you have to be a professional, right? White collar type of guy to contribute and to, uh, build your family's financial future. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If folks really understand that, yeah, man, you could get an insurance policy of hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? If you're under the age of 30 and in good health, good shape for basically mm-hmm. the price of a Netflix subscription. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like really getting people to understand that, man, you can you can start from where you are. And shout out to these uh, these different investing platforms that have somewhat democratized the investing space to where, you know, you got the Robin Hooders and the Webull click and, uh, you know, being able to buy fractional shares, right? Um, M1, you can really get into purchasing fractional shares, you know, with whatever money it is that you have and really just start getting the game, building the habits, building those neural connections um, of, of what's going on. So yeah, man, that's, uh, yeah, that's what you can expect from us, man. It's just, to continue moving in the space, super serving black men, um, and just expanding and growing. My man, Ross Hassan, I appreciate it. Okay, so before I end every podcast now, I ask, uh, I'm just going to ask you to, you know, give your first quick one word thoughts off of what I'm going to mention. I'll mention something. You just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. All President right. David Thomas. Who is that? Morehouse President David Thomas. Oh, you talking about the current president of Morehouse? Yes, yes. Uh, accomplished. Atlanta. Culture. Bitcoin. Opportunity. LeBron. The GOAT. <laughs> we got to talk about that. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Cleveland. Home home base. Cash value life insurance. Immutable. Black men. Almighty. My man, Ross Hassan, I appreciate you uh, for being on the New Black Society podcast, man. I can't wait to, get, first of all, I got the application right up in front of me. 
I'm okay. putting it in right away. I need a rush on my <laughs> uh, <laughs> on my acceptance so I can put my money in, man. I can't wait to be a part of Bro Capital. Rasta side, I'll have uh, the, all the links up on the podcast. I can't wait to get this thing posted, man. I look okay. forward to talking to you soon. Thank you, man. Peace. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the New Black Society podcast with Nate Wilson. You can subscribe to this podcast on any platform podcast play. See you next time.